This episode of Behind the Bliss is made possible by our generous donors. If you love our show and would love to join our patrons, head over to BehindTheBlissPodcast.com and click Give. Or head to www.patreon.com forward slash Behind the Bliss. Thanks! Welcome to the Behind the Bliss Podcast, where Mary Scott Mercer and Rachel Autry bring weekly conversations to encourage, inspire, storytell, and share. Each episode is designed for you to feel met in your mess and balanced in your bliss. Here's today's conversation. Hey, everyone, and happy new year. Wow, I don't know about you, but I love fresh starts, new vision, clean slates, all the things the new year brings. And I can't wait to share a lot of the projects we've got working on for you, some of the guests we have lined up for the show. There's just tons of fun things waiting for us in 2019 that I can't wait to get our hands on. And we are so thankful that the Lord has opened up all of these doors and opportunities with us and with you. We pray that this new year brings you peace and joy and comfort and hope. Today, we have a super exciting guest with us. Her name is Christy Purifoy, and wow, can't even begin to explain how amazing she is. Christy is a wife, a mom, a gardener. She and her family live in their Pennsylvania farmhouse called Maplehurst, and y'all, it is a dream. If you don't believe me, head over to Instagram, bop on over, and see what she's got going on because it's too beautiful to even begin to describe. Her newest book, Placemaker, releases this March, and it's a timely yet timeless reminder that the cultivation of good and beautiful places, it's not a retreat from the real world, but a holy pursuit of the world that's more real than we really know. It's a call to tend the soul, the land, and the places we share with one another. It's a reminder that we're always headed home. This conversation was simply lovely and about all things home and beautiful, and we can't wait for you to start listening. Hey, Christy. Thanks so much for being on our show today. Hi there. I am so happy to be here with you both. We're pumped. We've done our fair share of stalking on Instagram and seeing all the beautiful things you have going on in your life. So to talk about them is such a pleasure. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad. And isn't Instagram wonderful? I feel like it's another form of hospitality, like another way I get to open the door and invite people in. So yeah. I'm- oh my gosh. I love that. I knew we loved yes. her. Yes. Yep. <laughs> I am now going to think about my Instagram that way. That's a perfect way to think about it. Well, can you kind of just give everyone just a little bit of backstory on you and your family and where y'all live and all of those things? Sure. Well, yeah. Um, gosh, Christy Purifoy is my name. I'm a writer. I'm a gardener. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I have four kids. Uh, my oldest just started high school this year and my youngest just started kindergarten. So it was a very big, <laughs> rather emotional fall for me. <laughs> and uh, we live in uh, southeastern Pennsylvania. We uh, live in an old farmhouse, a red brick farmhouse called Maplehurst. And it's been our home for six years. And I call myself a placemaker, which means that I am all about uh, keeping this place and tending this place. I thought for a long time that I was about changing and shaping and improving this place. But one of the things that this place is teaching me is that places uh, can do a lot of changing us and shaping us. Mm. So I have really been changed by um, this place we call home. So yeah, whether it's on Instagram or in the books I write or on my blog, um, it's very much rooted in the four seasons that are always shifting overhead at this place called Maplehurst. Wow. I, I 
have so many thoughts. Rachel and I both actually happen to be military spouses and um, we have moved a lot in the last uh, two and a half, three years of marriage. We're both kind of still newlyweds, but we're embarking on the part where we're not called that anymore. (laughs) Um, Uh And we have both like had the fond experience of making multiple places our home. And I love that you said it's more about, it's less about making them you know, change, but more allowing them to change us. And I have not heard a more true statement. I know I can say that each place that Daniel, my husband, and I have lived have really shaped me into the person I am today. Um, so that's amazing. Can you take us a little bit back um, and kind of tell us the journey of Maplehurst and just how you guys got there? And I have all of the questions I know Rachel and I both do about gardening and tending and yeah. all that you've learned in the process. But how did you guys end up in Maplehurst? Well, like both of you, I have moved a lot too. So for us, um, you know, it was different jobs. It was graduate school. Uh, my husband and I have lived in quite a few places over the past, um, gosh, we're almost, it's going to be 22 years here this December. So wow. we married young and we left college and we've kind of lived all over the country. Um, but yeah, I think what I learned through doing that, and maybe this will sound familiar to you, is just, it's almost more important to let your heart sort of put down those roots in each place where you live um, in order to receive, I think, what that place has to offer you. But yes. it is not easy. Yes. So all of that moving, it can take a toll. And um, there's definitely you know, a lot of hard things that go along with that. And by the time, so six years ago, we had ended up in Florida. We had spent 10 years in Chicago, and then we moved down to Florida. Wow, that's a climate change. <laughs> it was such a change and it was such a shock and it was so much harder than I expected it to be. It ended up, you know, Florida's gorgeous. I mean, there was so much, you know, beauty around us, but it ended up being a really hard season for us. And we started asking, you know, what do we really want our lives to look like? Like, how do we want to spend our days? And, and, and what do we want um, family life to look like for our kids? So the gift of that hard season in Florida is that this new dream that we called the farmhouse dream <laughs> started to emerge. And honestly, I can hardly even tell you, like, where did that dream come from? But it's something I explore um, in this book I have coming out in the spring called Placemaker. Like, where did the dream come from and what was the dream about? But the, to make that very long story short, the dream led us to Pennsylvania, to this old farmhouse. And a big part of that was our desire to um, live somewhere again where there were four seasons. You know, that's mm-hmm. one thing. I think when you move it to different places, you sort of learn like, well, here's what I love about this. Here's what's hard about that. And being in Florida. And I actually I grew up in Texas. So this was familiar to me, but I just hadn't experienced it in a while. Um, what it's like to live in a place where, um, you know, you don't have that, those dramatic seasons. And I'm, yeah. I'm a homebody. I'm not any longer much of a traveler. But I feel like with these seasons, the world is sort of shifting and changing all around me. So that's probably my favorite thing about um, calling this place home now. Well, it's a beautiful home. It's not it's not like a rundown farmhouse by any means. <laughs> I mean, pictures don't even do it justice. It's so beautiful and like we were mentioning your garden, holy wow, your garden. Well, I can tell you, you know, I love the name of your podcast, Behind the Bliss. Uh-huh. <laughs> Cuz there's, uh-huh. there's a whole lot of oh, what do we call it? 
crumbling, decaying, ugly, and all kinds of mess behind the bliss that is this place. And yeah. of course, in the book, I go into all kinds of detail about that um, because it hasn't, I, I say that this is our dream come true, but uh, that's not an easy thing to, to experience your dreams coming true. It's not easy at all. It's wonderful and amazing, but um, it can be really, really messy. <laughs> yeah, we get wow. that. That's such a good reminder. That is such a good reminder. Has has moving to a place that has has had the four seasons been really um, eye opening to you? Like, do you feel like it allows you as a person to experience seasons like with a better almost outlook, like noticing the seasons of life, how they correspond with the seasons? Fullness, yeah, wholeness, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or especially with gardening, like especially yeah. like having to learn what works and what season and what doesn't work. Like, has that been? like such an incredible process, both like physically and spiritually? Oh my goodness, that is exactly it. And you know, I have to say like, you know, when I say I love seasons, that doesn't mean that at the end of February or the beginning of March, when it is, you know, we get another blizzard and the kids are stuck inside again and I'm just dreaming of my garden. I mean, those days are really, really hard. I I don't love that at all. But I know that what's coming, this glorious spring that's about to erupt, um, Mm -hmm. is so worth it. And there's a lot of, I think, spiritual parallel in that. So um, when I say I love seasons, I think it's with the recognition that some seasons are very, very hard. But one thing I have learned in the garden is how important winter seasons are, the seasons of just bare black soil, those seasons where it feels like everything in your life is just dead and gone Mm, and buried. Um, But I think it's more than metaphor, right? I mean, this is how God made the world, that we bury these seeds and these seeds die. And then that's that's where new life comes from. And that's not just like this handy little you know, sermon illustration or something. That's just like the truth of the universe. It's real life. Mm-hmm. It's real life. Yeah. yeah. And it's super powerful, I think, to, to get to witness that at first hand. Um, and then, you know, when I experience it in my life, like we all do, um, I just, I know the truth of it in a way that is um, just really incredible. And I'm so grateful for that. But I know, you know, whether you're a gardener or not, like we know that that's how the world works and it's hard and it's beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's just how it is, isn't it? Yeah. And I love what you're talking about, the parallel, spiritual parallel, because there are so many times in my life when I feel like there's bitterness and cold and my leaves are drying up and falling off and I'm like, what is happening? And there is that hope and promise of spring, you know, and there is honestly the hope and promise that winter's going to happen again next year. And so for me, like I'm grateful for a consistent and an organized and a and a God that, yes, like there are surprises and there are the days, especially in Alabama, where it's like 72 degrees and it's supposed to be winter. And then there are the days you wake up with snow and it's mm-hmm. the beginning of November and you're confused. So there are like those fun surprises or not so fun surprises, but in the midst of it all, there is the hope and the anchor that it's going to happen again and it will be okay mm-hmm. and it will come yep. to an end. I was looking yeah. at your Instagram and saw your highlight about the book. Cause I was like, I need to know what this is about before I can get my hands on it. Um, and it looked like each chapter almost had its own parallel to a specific plant and what that plant represents. Yeah, Is that how you would explain it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, each chapter has something to do mostly with trees um, or, you know, roses or other things that grow in the garden. But I write a lot about trees in this book. And that's something I think I've learned living in all these different places is um, to sort of pay attention to a place and pay attention to what's growing there. And 
um, I've just been amazed lately to recognize how important the trees are. Um, you know, if you read the Bible, it's like trees are everywhere and they're clapping their hands and they're praising God. And so one of the things I wanted to write about in this book is what does that really mean? <laughs> what does it really mean? Yeah. That trees are doing these things. And so, um, yeah, each chapter uh, talks about not only the place and where we are in our lives and what's happening at Maplehurst, but um, I get to share a lot of really fascinating stories about trees. And I think also I wanted, I thought about, well, what inspires me as a placemaker? Like, why do I want to do this thing? Why do I care about places? Why do I garden? Why do I keep this house? Why do I practice hospitality here? And I think it's because, um, you know, the, the natural world and the uniqueness of each place inspires me so much that I wanted mm -hmm. to pass on that inspiration. So telling these stories about trees and the history of antique roses or, you know, the people who've lived before us in history who've shaped the land that we now call home. Those are all things that inspire me so much. I really wanted to pass on that inspiration. Literally, it sounds like my dream book. Oh, my word. <laughs> <laughs> It is. It's Mary, like that I mean, is. This is so Mary Scott. It's me too. But let's be honest. Like Mary Scott <laughs> is so great at making places home and just taking what's organic Whatever. and ever making it a place. Whatever. No, wanted to honor you for real. You're so good at You're that. You're so sweet, it, Christy. If you could explain placemaker, like have a definite a definite a definition. If you could have that's my Alabama coming out. If you could have a definition of a placemaker according to Christy, what would it be? Ooh. Placemakers are—they're keepers of a place. They love a place, and they tend that place. And maybe sometimes that looks like changing the place or improving the place. But I think mostly it's just about loving a place and sharing it with other people. That's so good. Oh, that's good. That is really good. Um, I do you feel like we are all naturally inclined to just like crave a place? Like, do you think it's like innately in us? to have eyes fixed upon beauty or do you think there's like are you do you think we're all placemakers or do you think that there are certain people who are like kind of quote-unquote the gatekeepers to be the placemaker for others like oh. do you think that's just God in us that craves craves finding that beauty and that sense of home or what do you think about that oh my gosh that's such a great question I'm so glad you asked that and I'm gonna <laughs> sort of cheat by first saying well it's a little bit of both <laughs> so right. um First of all, I think in some sense, we all have this in us where we're image bearers and we're created in the image of a God who made places and not only made the earth for us, but made special places within that earth for, for us, whether it was the Garden of Eden or whether it was, you know, the promised land or, you know, um, we know from scripture that God loves places and loves particular places for, you know, what makes them special. So we are all made in the image of that creator God that I think that placemaker God. So we all have something of this in us, but um, some of us will uh, maybe do this on a bigger scale than others. Some of us will do this more naturally. Some of us, I think, are just naturally more tuned into the, the um, natural beauty around us. Um, and that's totally fine as well, because all that means is that we then are, I think we're kind of on the front lines of noticing these things and then sort of coming back and sharing it with, with our neighbors, with our communities. Um, one thing I also write about in the book is that um, who I am as a placemaker and what God calls me to do, it's not just about me, but it's about the people who are willing to mm -hmm. come here to Maplehurst and 
be in this place with me. So it's not just about being the hostess, but it's about being the guest. It's not just about being a giver, but it's about being a receiver. And so, so good. And, and I'm a receiver yes. as well. I write in the book about some of the special places here in Pennsylvania that were shaped by other placemakers and what I receive in those places. So, you know, sometimes we're on the giving end, sometimes we're on the receiving end, um, but it's, it's not one or the other. Um, but yeah, I think, so, you know, one thing I hope is that people who don't naturally see themselves as placemakers or gardeners or home keep, you know, homemakers or whatever, you know, the language is that this book will help them recognize um, something in themselves that maybe they didn't appreciate before or even notice before, but in a way that isn't now like all this pressure, like, okay, now you have to, you know, grow a big vegetable garden or <laughs> whatever mm -hmm. it is. And actually, I have a really good friend. So you two are two friends hosting a podcast. And I have a, you know, one of my best friends in the whole world, Lisa Jo Baker, who's also a writer, and, and she's a co-host with me of the Out of the Ordinary podcast. And she is sort of my, um, let's see, she's my tester for these these things and these concepts because she is not the way I am, a, a gardener or maybe a natural placemaker. And so if I can share stories that inspire her or that touch her heart, then I know that I've accomplished what I want to do. And if, <laughs> She's your thermostat. Yeah, exactly, yes. exactly. So it's so good to have a reader and a friend like that. I love that so much. Oh, that's amazing. I definitely think this is so cool for both Mary Scott and I. Like she said, we also have moved a ton with her being a military wife and with me. My husband's job takes us from California to Alabama back and forth every summer and winter. It's very odd, but lots of fun. Um, and so I love what you're saying with basically it's not that you have to create something that hasn't existed before. You're almost building off of the roof of the person before you. That's so and That's good. what I think is so beautiful yeah. about your farmhouse is you're like – hey, there's no need for renovation. I mean, we can do a few things that make us happy, that change a few details that we can, you know, recognize, but we don't need to tear down one place to build another. Like we can do what's best with what we have. Mm -hmm. yes. And it's such a relief because I feel like there's such a pressure mm -hmm. that we have to have what someone else has rather than making what we have our own. Yeah. And it's freedom. Really yeah. being a placemaker is freeing. Yeah, that's so true. You put it really well that it's not necessarily starting from scratch or building new or making different or making it our own. You know, we're, we're, we, we hear that phrase a lot like, oh, make this place your own. But it might just be about noticing what's there and what someone else mm -hmm. has already done and just appreciating it and receiving it and loving it and and sort of, you know, doing the caretaking for another generation. And um, I think there is a lot of freedom in that. Yeah, that's so beautiful. My husband and I are actually doing a home renovation right now. <laughs> and um, we, I, we were taking down a wall the other day in this wow. old 1950s house. And I saw like two layers worth of two different people's like um, – uh, what do you call it? Wallpaper. And it like made me stop. And I almost like hated doing something to it because I was like, someone chose that wallpaper like 30 or 40 years ago. Um, like that. Oh, a lot of light. Yes. That's exactly how I. Yeah. I'm like, oh, do I really want to take this out? It just really made me to stop and think like, oh gosh, what we're building here in this home, A, was built upon someone else, but it's just so, it's just really made me stop and think like how 
do I in my first, you know, home buying experience and my first home ownership, like how do I cultivate a place that people leave here or enter here feeling the presence of God and feeling loved and cared for? Mm-hmm. So how would you like, or do you feel like there are practical, like, do you feel like you have a practical like list of things you do when you're hosting people or hospitality, um, like just thoughts that you tend to like go through when you're having people in your home? Like what, um, what are some of your go-to tips and tricks, I guess, for a practical point of view? Oh, such a good question. I think especially this time of year when we're thinking about the, um, you know, celebrating holidays or winter or getting cozy or, you know, while we wait for spring, um, I am a lover of candles, <laughs> mm-hmm. anything like cozy or soft. So I think a lot about, um, you know, so it's not the big design things. It's not, do I have granite countertops or do I have the latest this or that in my kitchen or, um, you know, the best furniture or, you know, I'm a big secondhand shopper. So all the furniture in my house is, um, uh, let's say less than perfect. (laughs) But for me, it's about the little touches. And I think those are the things that show a guest, Hey, I thought about you before you showed up at my house. And because I thought about you, I pulled out these these blankets for your bed, or I lit these candles, or I um, went out and got fresh flowers, um, or even just a few Mm. bits of greenery from the yard for your um, bedside table. And so for me, it's really about those little things and just thinking through their comfort. Um, Okay, maybe I fold some, you know, towels at the end of their bed so that they know, hey, these are my towels that I get to use while I'm here. Or maybe I've thought about um, their interests. So I've pulled out a few books from my bookshelf and placed them by their bed or, um, you know, if it's not overnight guests, I've, I've thought about where things are in my kitchen. Will they know where to grab a, a cloth napkin or, um, a spoon or, you know, here's a little corner for, for, so they can make coffee or tea and everything is right there at, at their fingertips. So for me, it's, it's the small things the little things. Mm -hmm. And those things don't have to be expensive. They don't have to be complicated. Um, They can be quiet. But I think that those little quiet things speak very powerfully. Well, I think intentionality like that really speaks volumes, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it's one thing to say, and I, I totally agree with this. Like we can say, hey, these are my friends. They love me no matter what. So I don't have to XYZ. I don't have to clean my house from top to bottom, or I don't have to worry that, hey, there's some um, laundry stacked up in the basket. Like that, totally fine. And yet, when we do those little extra things, I think it shows um, just a, a, yeah, that intentional welcome that, that speaks volumes. So it doesn't have to be hard, but it does mean that you have gone to maybe just a little bit of trouble, if that makes sense. <laughs> totally. Yeah gone the extra mile. Yeah, just a little bit. And maybe not even a whole mile, maybe just, you know, a quarter of a mile, but (laughs) three steps. Yeah. Yeah. We say this thing in our house, the difference between great and excellent is in the details. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so that's a beautiful way to think about it is how can I be excellent? Not perfect. Excellent. And the way that I host someone, I love it. So when can we come and be guests? Seriously. <laughs> just, I'm wondering when we can come oh and just visit you and yeah. stay. Oh, my gosh. That is a dream of mine to be able to open up this home and this place more and more. That's that's a part of that farmhouse dream that we first dreamed um, before we moved to Pennsylvania that is still unfolding. We recently uh, yeah. built a, a barn on our property. 
And our hope is to be able to open the doors of that bar and host um, retreats and, I don't know, writing wow. workshops or other events yes. or meals. And um, it, we don't even know. It's still it, the dream is still unfolding. But welcoming people to Maplehurst is something I look wow. forward to doing. More and more. We will be so keeping. We look forward to yeah. coming we'll to Maple. Keeping the details on that. That would be. Is this the barn that you posted with your Thanksgiving table? Is that the yes. same place? So we just real. So the barn was just built in August. We've um, used it a tiny bit, but I feel like we really inaugurated it this Thanksgiving when we um, served Thanksgiving dinner in the barn on Thursday. And I have to tell you. Um, it was so beautiful. So first of all, it was a really super cold day. Apparently it was our coldest Thanksgiving in like a century. So we, we have a wood stove in the barn, but it's, you know, that's the only heat. So we were a little worried about it and thought, gosh, maybe we shouldn't even do it. Maybe we should just kind of cram around our dining room table, but we went for it. And as we were carrying the food from the kitchen over to the barn, we could see this like big bright full moon rising over the barn as we were heading in and it was so beautiful and it just felt like this blessing over (laughs) the space and the time and so I feel like yeah like something was launched and um I'm so excited for what comes next like a benediction like a yeah it really like that yeah benediction so when you host people and you said you have flowers in your room or in their room and you're able to have these fresh flowers in your house, do they come from your garden? Let's be honest. Or do you go to the store? I'm so curious. You have to use some of the things that you have worked so hard at cultivating, right? Oh, absolutely. I love it. So from, I'd say from April to Oct- through October, the flowers always come from my yard. And that's been such a surprise to me. I was, um, I had done a bit of gardening before moving here. We had a, a plot in a community garden in Chicago when we lived there. And so so I had grown tomatoes and I had grown herbs and things like that and looked forward to building a big vegetable garden when we moved here. But a funny thing has happened in our six years here is that I am growing less and less food and more and more flowers, which I did not see coming at all. It's been such a surprise, but oh my goodness, I just, I love it. I love that. Um, I can scatter seeds or berry bulbs and then just all this incredible beauty comes out of the ground. It just blows my mind every time. So, um, yeah, I keep, (laughs) I keep warning people that one day there will be no food growing here at all. And I will have turned over every bit of dirt for, for growing roses and tulips and dahlias and, Hey, I wouldn't be mad about it. You know, those are beautiful things. Wait, did you always have this passion for gardening? Like, how did it come about? Were you, did you grow up as a kid yeah. with your parents gardening and teaching you? So my father was a gardener. He still is a gardener. Um, and so growing up in our house in Texas, he was growing lots of roses and other flowers. And so I think I just absorbed it. Although at that time, I didn't spend any time in the garden. It was hot and there were mosquitoes and, you know, I, I was uncomfortable. And so I don't think at that point anyone would have said, oh, yeah, she's going to grow up (laughs) to do the same. But my dad did garden. And then my favorite book was The Secret Garden. Um, And so I was reading already back then about flowers and garden spaces. And so now I can look back and say, "Okay, yeah, these were the seeds that were planted in me that are now um, bearing fruit and, and growing flowers today. Um, but I had no idea. And I can still remember when, so I started gardening in Chicago. We're living in the city. Um, I was in grad school and it had never occurred to me to 
I mean, I didn't even have a house plant at that point, but um, a fellow graduate student asked me one day if I would want to share, we could rent a little plot in the neighborhood community garden. And she said, would you and your husband want to share a plot with me? And I remember thinking, I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> that sounds like work. I don't know. But, you know, we just went for it and we learned from her and, um, Slowly but surely, I became a gardener. And it's funny to me now that I became a gardener in the city, but there we are. I was about to say, in Chicago, nonetheless. Right, (laughs) exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you were, um, like we said, we're both new homeowners and probably would love to know some more information. Like how, how does one even, like start do we is there a book that we need to read like how how would I figure out how to (laughs) to make a garden in my little baby backyard (laughs) yeah help a sister out well you know I have learned so much from from books so that is a great way to learn about gardening but honestly I think one of the best and easiest ways is just to pay attention when you're in your neighborhood or you're driving around your town and see what's growing in other people's yards Mm. because that'll tell you right away all kinds of things about what can grow and maybe what you want to grow. So I did that, especially when we were in Florida and we were only there two years and I hadn't lived that far South since I was a kid. And so I didn't know anything about growing things in you know, hot, humid weather. And so I just looked around and I saw like, okay, this is pretty vine is growing on my neighbor's fence. What is it? And so I I just recommend looking around and and seeing what's there. Of course, if you have any kind of public garden or botanical garden or, you know, even a park that has some nice plantings, like that's, that's a great way to find out what will grow in your area. Um, So yeah, I think just kind of opening your eye, you know, which it seems like, why would I even need to give you that advice? Open your eyes. And yet it's amazing how many of us can live in a place for a long time and not even know, well, what are these trees that are growing right. in my yard? Or, you know, what are these shrubs I see everywhere? And so um, once you have a place of your own, whether you're renting or owning to take care of, I think it can be motivating to, um, it can motivate you to just sort of open your eyes and look around and, and ask some questions of your neighbors. So I think that's the first thing that I would recommend doing. And also I'd say two things. First of all, it's not as hard as it looks. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, we learn, you learn by making, by trying and making mistakes. So I feel like so much of what I have learned is just because I tried something and it didn't work. And then I kind of figured out, oh, I think maybe this is why it didn't work. And that is a really quick and effective teacher. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it's funny you're saying all this because I think like the most gardening we've done at this house being here two months thus far, <laughs> you're going to laugh. I finally weeded our beds because I guess the time between us putting an offer on the house and closing, there has been so many weeds that had just popped up out of nowhere yeah. and we just, life has got crazy and we've traveled. So I was weeding the other day and as you're talking and as I'm reflecting on my time weeding, there were so many ways that I felt like Jesus made himself present Mm -hmm. and the Lord spoke to me in the midst of weeding and pruning or planting, Mm -hmm. um, or like you said, seeds and bulbs, what kind of parallels we talked about seasons, Mm -hmm. but more specifically to gardening, what kind of parallels do you feel like the Lord whispers to your heart? And what kind of revelations have you walked away from gardening with? Yeah, well, you know, I don't know if this would be uh, universal for all gardeners or, or really anyone other than me. But so something that that I write about in this book, Placemaker, is about places and peace. Like, how do we cultivate places where we just feel a sense of peace? 
So a lot of people will assume, well, Christy, you have these gardens and you must feel so much peace when you go out in them. And honestly, <laughs> what I feel a lot of the time is um, stressed and completely overwhelmed because gardens, like you, like you mentioned with the weeds, they grow so fast and they never stop growing. And quickly we can be, you know, become overwhelmed by by what we've created. It's like I sometimes feel like I've created this monster that needs constant, you know, oversight. So to be honest, my gardens stretch me big time. Like I feel like I'm always bumping bumping up against my weakness, my limits, my, mm. um, you know, just my own desire for beauty and perfection, and then how I'm just always like falling short of that. And so there are times there are holes seasons almost where I want to avoid my garden. I don't want to go out there because I feel like going out there, I'll just be confronted with my own failure, honestly. <laughs> so yeah. you know, it's not a comfortable message. And yet this is clearly something I need to wrestle through with God and with um, Jesus. And so he meets me in the garden and sometimes it's beautiful and wonderful. And I'll, quite often it's really uncomfortable. And yet it's so good. It's so, so good for me because I have to um, I have to acknowledge, you know, how much I can't do and um, how hard, you know, just even things like gardening can be. And Jesus meets me there. So it's become a real like, I think, kind of uncomfortable proving ground for me in a way, which now I'm realizing no one's going to want to start a garden after listening to me talk about that. No, um, not at all. I'm inspired more than ever to just go ahead and start it. And and like I said, it's freedom. It's the relief of it doesn't have to be yeah. perfect. And it's not like you're going to plant your first batch of anything and then be grateful with how it turns out. It's a learning process. And it's so beautiful because as soon as you think you know yourself, or I'll speak personally, as soon as I feel like I've got myself nailed down, I'm like, okay, I know who I am. <laughs> I got it. Or I feel like I'm in a routine and I've started hitting my groove. Something happens and there's a disruption and an interruption that teaches me one more thing I didn't know about myself yep. or about the Lord. And that is gardening. You it's know, like, like as soon as you process. feel like your garden looks great, yep. you yeah. know, here comes something that does not belong. It's so true. And it's one of the hardest things, you know, the, the weather changes or a storm comes or a big, you know, wind blows through and there's that disruption or that interruption you mentioned. But oh my goodness, isn't life like that as well? And so if we can learn to, yeah. receive grace in the garden, then I think um, we've gone a long way to, to learning how to, to rest and receive grace just in life day to day. I told you before we started recording, Christy, that I have become a huge fan of your podcast, Out of the Ordinary. And I think um, just based on what I've read from you and the way we're speaking now, you are really, um, I feel like you have done a really good job at trying to almost change your lens to find um God out of ordinary places and really seeking to find, you know, life moments and lessons out of the ordinary. And so can you talk a little bit about your podcast, but also just like practical ways that we can change our lens to have a more, um, per, a fixed perspective to have, um, you know, the, the tools we need to find God and beauty in the ordinary places of our life rather than just the grand moments of our life. Right, exactly. And you said change your lens. And I think that's exactly it. And, and that's really what we intended the Out of the Ordinary podcast to be about. So um, like you guys, it's so much fun to do this podcast with my dear friend, Lisa Jo Baker. We've been friends actually since Chicago. Um, goodness, more than 15 years, 18 years, I think we've been friends. We met in the city. 
And so it's a lot of fun to do the podcast with her. But one of the things that we were both feeling is that there, there's a lot out there about dreaming big and aiming high and um, pursuing, you know, big things. And we love that too. Like that definitely has its place and it's so good to be challenged and to set goals and, and all the rest. But what we were feeling is that maybe what was missing from some of the online conversations was, um, you know, helping women, especially just have eyes to see how much they already have, how much we already yes. have just in our day to day. So we just thought, well, what would it look like if we start talking about that? And honestly, ladies, I did not know. <laughs> I did not know where our conversations <laughs> would lead. But but we did. We had this sense that there was treasure waiting just in our ordinary moments, our ordinary days. And if we could um, slow down, pay attention and talk it through with a friend, we had the sense that we might notice all kinds of things. And Mm -hmm. uh, we have, it's been incredible. I feel like, um, you know, I feel like I have new eyes to see um, just the, the moments and what they, how much they matter. And, um, yeah, I think the main thing is just realizing that um, while all of our lives will have some some quote unquote big dreams and big goals and and big things, right? Most most of our lives are made up of all these what we might think of as little things or small things yeah. stitched mm-hmm. together. And and if we go back to that um, that scripture scriptural metaphor about the seed being buried, I mean, think about what a small small ordinary thing a seed is, but how much life and, and power is, is contained within it. And so again, I think it's not just a metaphor, but it is um, how life really works. So we, we share these conversations week to week about um, the smaller things of life in order to help both ourselves and, and our listeners um, kind of retrain our eyes in order to see um, sort of beneath the surface of ordinary life. Because we really think our tag is like, you know, ordinary life is where extraordinary stories begin. It's where it, it, that's mm-hmm. the soil that they're growing in. And so we, we just spend time cultivating that soil, um, cultivating the, the soil that is our, our just everyday moments. And so, um, we're, you know, we need it. <laughs> we're trying to do it. And I hope in listening to our conversations that, that other women are inspired to, to do the same. Totally. I've, I think there's totally this conversation. I, I've noticed on my personal uh, social media or internet following that there's this constant like striving and hustle and yeah. Um, yeah. like chasing almost to like yeah. get to the next thing. And there there is like it's almost like that allows for no room for like the simple, ordinary, mundane moments that really do make up our life. And so I just wanted to thank you. I'm so grateful for your podcast because it's allowed me to find space, a space on the Internet to appreciate those small things. And I just I love that. I can't wait for our listeners to come over and listen to you guys as well. So that is awesome. Oh, I love hearing that. And you, you put it so well, like the chasing and the hustle. And again, for, for seasons and, and certain circumstances, we have to do that. But if that's your whole life, it's exhausting. <laughs> it's so tiring. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah. Yeah, learning how to kind of let that go for a while, um, I think can be really important. Yeah. And, you know, I just, for some reason, I thought of something that maybe um, would bless you too. I'm thinking about 
um, both of you with uh, military spouses and moves and, you know, now um, new homes and thinking about how even um, with homemaking and placemaking, it can be about the very tiny things. So I have um, uh, a couple siblings, but my one sister, Kelly, um, was a military wife for 15 years. And so they moved to many different places. And um, after one move, she set up, they had these wind chimes that she always set up at each house. And after this one particular move, she set up the wind chimes, a breeze blew through them. And then her son, who was quite young at the time, said, oh, mom, it sounds like home. And she oh. realized in that moment, oh, that's so yeah, beautiful. like home can be about, it doesn't, it doesn't even have to be the same old house. You might be in a totally different place. Right. But it can be these small things, these sounds or these rituals or, you know, the candle you always light at dinner or the wind chimes mm -hmm. outside the window. And those things can say home, you know, to us and our families and also to our guests and friends and neighbors. So I don't know, just that, that little memory just popped in my mind and I thought, thank oh, you. I to share with yes. you. No, I've I've noticed that too. Just like small, even like a piece of furniture. Like I ha I am such an early little riser because my husband has to get up and go to PT so early. And like I have my one chair. And I my husband deployed actually just got back in the last seven weeks or so, and I moved in with my best friend because both of our husbands are gone, and so I lived out of my whole life out of their extra guest room. Um, and I made sure I had to bring my chair because if I didn't have my reading chair, I knew I wouldn't feel centered. And yeah. so that is just like such as like I've noticed that to be so true in this lifestyle of ours that like if I have just those few handful of things, like it's a way that I can create a place even for me, like to be a placemaker for myself yeah, yeah. to live abundantly. So that is such an awesome. Thank you for sharing that. That really did bless me. And I know it blessed Rachel too. <laughs> yes, it totally did. We we're the same. There's those few things that, although we don't move our entire life and house out to California, they're so gracious to give us a space to live. We do have those pieces that we have to have. They're musts. Mm -hmm. They're non-negotiables. Mm -hmm. Even your I favorite coffee this mug. mug yeah. yeah. I just was about to say that. We have our favorite mugs or um, – <laughs> I took my Roomba, my iRobot, <laughs> which is not even like sentimental by any means. But heck, if it makes me feel like home, you sure betcha. I'm going to bring all my robots. <laughs> and I did. And it, yeah, it's creating that space wherever you are. This book sounds phenomenal. And with all like carrying on the gardening aspect and the nature and how the Lord has totally paralleled the two. Um, yeah, I just can't wait for this book, which comes out in March. So if people wanted to pre-order, they can do that, That's correct? right. Yeah, it's already on Amazon and other um, uh, online sites. And yeah, it's already for pre for pre-orders. So um, yeah, it's so fun to be able to share with you about it today. And um, I hope some of your listeners will check it out and, and find something good in the pages. I know we will both be posting about it for sure. Yes. <laughs> Yes, getting my pre-order on now. <laughs> and we hate to like completely switch gears, but I feel like we're kind of talking about lots of favorite things that we're loving and like me, my my robot. But for you, what are some things that you're loving these days? What are you reading or listening to or dancing to? Whatever you would want our listeners to know to have in their life. Yeah, it's a great question. So I went for a walk this morning and I listened to two albums while I was walking. And I feel like they've been on repeat lately. There's a new album out from The Brilliance, and I'm really enjoying it, um, as well as the new album from someone who's new to me. Maybe it's her first album, and maybe you know her, Lauren Daigle. Is that 
Yes. Yes. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's excellent. So musically, those are two two things I'm listening to over and over. Um, let's see. I'm a big mystery novel fan. So the new Louise Penny has just come out and Louise Penny has written this series of detective novels set in Quebec and they are all about place as well. I think that's why I love them. They all take place in this cozy little village in Quebec and, um, goodness, I don't even remember which book we're on now, how many, but there's a, you know, at least 10 or so. And so if, any of your listeners haven't found the Louise Penny series, then um, they've got a lot of fun books in store. <laughs> so yeah, awesome. We are so, so grateful that you joined us on our show today. Um, I know we are just going to be busting out the seams waiting for your book to come out in March of 20, I guess, 19. Oh my gosh, that like, took me off guard for a second. So anyway, Christy, thank you so much for joining us. Where can everyone follow you and find your gorgeous house and just follow your family happenings? Absolutely. Well, you can find me at ChristyPurifoy.com. And Christy is spelled C-H-R-I-S. T-I-E, Christy Purifoy, and I'm also Christy Purifoy on Instagram, so I'm easy to find there, and I would love to, um, yeah, to welcome your listeners to Maplehurst, even if it's just virtually (laughs) through the website or the pictures I share on Instagram. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, and we will talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you both so much. Doesn't that make you just want to jump outside and start a garden? (laughs) It does for me, at least. Seriously, Christy is amazing, so peaceful. She brings so much to the table as far as home and loving people well with what you have inside of it. If you want to access what we talked about with Christy today, some of the resources, and of course, all about Christy and Maplehurst, head over to BehindTheBlissPodcast.com and click show notes. If you love today's episode and want to let your friends know all about Behind the Bliss and what we've got going on over here, there's two ways you can help. The first is to leave a review on iTunes. You simply click one out of five stars, rate our podcast, leave a quick little comment, and it lets other people know what's going on over here. And it allows other people to see what they can expect when clicking play on our podcast. The second way you can help is share it on social media. We've been so thrilled to read your direct messages, your comments, the ways that you share it in your Instagram story, and we can't begin to explain how thankful we are for all of it and the place that we've seen our podcast shared the most. So if you would continue to do that, we would be so, so grateful. As always, Mary Scott and I cannot thank you enough for just being listeners, being a part of what we're doing, and this movement of bliss and what is behind it. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to us via social media or our email at behindthebliss at gmail.com. We'll see you next week.